right, glad you're with us. Sean Hannity Show, toll-free. It is 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. By the way, this just handed to me. Vice President Mike Pence has joined our friends at the Heritage Foundation as a distinguished visiting fellow. Um, and, uh, well, it's great for both of, both of them, in my view. And, you know, and that sort of gets to where I want to go in the program today. I've always been a big fan of the the, the Heritage Foundation over the years. Good people. Good. They were really the intellectual firepower behind all things Reagan when he came to office. And, you know, I'm watching this week. I'm watching, you know, everything with Marjorie Taylor Greene and Liz Cheney. And next week it's the shift show 2.0. And and I'm watching it all. I'm watching Joe Biden rule through executive fiat. By his own definition, I'll play it for you. You know, he says that would be dictatorial, that you'd need to get the votes. This is a democracy, man. I got to get the votes. I got to get the votes. That's why, you know, uh, the one thing that I I have this strange notion, we are a democracy. Some of my Republican friends and some of my Democratic friends even occasionally say, well, if you can't get the votes by executive order, you're going to do something. Things you can't do by executive order unless you're a dictator. We're a democracy. We need consensus. Come on, man. Come on, man. What are you? Are you on drugs? What was that? You're addicted to drugs? I forgot about Joe. You a junkie? Come on, man. Come on. We got our first come on, man. I think the Joe Biden cut of the week was, and we're going we're gonna to have 400 million vaccines, and we're going to raise it to 50% to 600 million vaccines, and, and then fuzzy math kicks in. And we're going to by the summertime, we're going to have 300 Americans vaccinated. <laughs> 300. We expect these additional 200 million doses to be delivered this summer. And some of it will come as early begin to come in early summer. But by the mid by the midsummer that this vaccine will be there and the order and, and, and that increases the total vaccine order in the United States by 50 percent from 400 million order to 600 million. This is enough vaccine to fully vaccinate 300 Americans by end of the summer, the beginning of the fall. But we want to make, look, that's, I want to repeat, it'll be enough to fully vaccinate 300 Americans to beat this pandemic. Three, I mean, he said it twice. He didn't just say it once. He said it twice. Twice. Anyway, um, I, I don't even know what to make of that. And I, anyway, so I'm watching all of this and you know, I was thinking, all right, Mike Pence joins the Heritage Foundation. The Heritage Foundation provided a lot of the intellectual firepower of reducing taxes, burdensome regulation in the Reagan years. You know, we we had we literally doubled revenues to the federal government by cutting taxes, ending burdensome regulation, 21 million new jobs created, the greatest peacetime or the longest peacetime economic growth in history up to that point. And then the Trump policies really on steroids in in many ways from what Reagan did. And and that led to the exact same results. And that is incredible economic recovery and higher paying jobs, uh, record low unemployment. And couple that with, again, the, the burdensome bureaucracy so manufacturers can manufacture again in America and also securing the border that helped less competition for jobs raises wages and then you have record low unemployment for every demographic in the country these things work and i know that we're we're now 
right now we're caught up in this whirlwind about Marjorie Taylor Greene and and the show that's going on today. And then we're going to spend a week at least. Depends if they bring in witnesses. There's a part of me that says, oh, yeah, you want to go down this road? I have a few ideas up my sleeve. I don't want to telegraph them. And I have my own witness list of ideas because I'm a little I'm a little sick and tired of the double standard like most of you are, too. And you should be. I mean, we're going to have, well, this is the president incited insurrection. We're going to have a snap impeachment. We're not going to have any evidence presented. We're not going to have any defense given, none whatsoever. We're not even going to gather the facts. And now as the facts come out, we're beginning to see, oh, we missed a lot of the intelligence that was out there and available to us. Even Ocasio-Cortez, I knew for a week that this was coming. Well, who did she tell? I want to know, did she tell Nancy Pelosi, did she tell anybody in leadership? Did she tell the sergeant at arms? And how come the police chief of the Capitol Police, you know, had requested long before anybody, you know, they knew hundreds of thousands of people were in town marching in the Capitol. Why didn't they prepare? You know, well, and then the idea that people had planned it, they're identifying specific groups that had planned it. Well, then how do you make the argument that it is the words that incited the, quote, insurrection, the media mob and Democrats favor new word? And then how do you say, well, how are we going to define insurrection and and who are we going to apply the standards to, as we've been pointing out? Well, the same thing would go with with, you know, all of the people in the in the Democratic Party that pushed the biggest conspiracy theory ever in this country and they made it mainstream with the help of their friends in the media mob, which is the Russia collusion hoax. It was all a lie. And they pushed this and rammed this down this country's throat and dragged this country through hell for three long, solid years. Just like the Ukrainian impeachment hoax. How do you ignore quid and pro and quo, Joe and zero experience, Hunter? I mean, the hypocrisy is nauseating. Now, I see that people that use insurrectionist-like language that make that spread conspiracy theories like Adam Schiff, and let's see, then you got Maxine Waters and the crazy stuff and, and threats that she's made over the years, and you can add Congresswoman Omar Tlaib and, and Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez to all of this list. Okay, well, are they going to be removed from their committee assignments? I don't see it happening. But the president said at the speech on the 6th that, you know, that you, we want you to fight like hell. He also said to march peacefully and patriotically to let your voices be heard. So let's take it all. But there's one standard for Democrats and there's one standard for the rest of the world. And that's how it works. And that's that's what's sad about all of this. So we're going to go through this. But back to my initial observation about the Heritage Foundation, my and, and that's why I really, you know, when people have views that I, I don't know why they express them. Now, it, Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene went out there and she actually told uh, the House today that her statements on things that I mentioned yesterday, I went into, into some detail, you know, about 9-11 and the plane hitting the Pentagon. Yeah, that happened. And school shootings. Yeah, they're real. And. In my humble opinion, even though the kid that somebody said is 17, it doesn't matter. He's still a kid to me. And he still watched, you know, kids in his school die and families lost loved ones. They're real, as she said. And 9-11 happened and she disavowed some of these other things. 
And I'm just wondering, well, what about all the people that have said all these other incendiary things? How come we don't hold them to the same standard? Because from what I can see is the people in Adam Schiff's district and Nancy Pelosi's district and the people of Maxine Waters district and the people in Congresswoman Tlaib's district and uh, Congresswoman Omar's district and AOC's district. They they get to decide that they're going to vote people with extreme views back into Congress. And and so should, in the case of Marjorie Taylor Greene, be the people of North Georgia. She did get 74 percent of the vote. Pretty impressive for any elected official in this day and age. And that's the bottom line. And, you know, she has an opportunity to, you know, she's she's new. I don't even know anybody that knows her. And uh, I thought it was good. She actually went on the floor and and. Gave a pretty fascinating speech. If you want to take, uh, we'll take some time tonight, probably on Hannity, and show you some of this. But it, but it all comes down to me to something even more fundamental. So we're going to deal with this today. We're going to deal with the next impeachment shift show next week, and they're going to get into the last, last, last digs to hurt Donald Trump. And for me, conservatism is pretty simple. I don't, I don't want to make this any more complicated than it is. And the reason that Reagan was successful, if there's if there's in, in modern day, if there's three movements, three moments for the conservative movement, and I'm a conservative, I'm an America first conservative. The first would be Reagan and Reagan proved through his economic policies and peace through strength that not only can he keep the world safer, uh, but also he can he can spur economic growth and and an explosion of economic activity by using limited government policies of low taxation and limiting the bureaucracy. And Trump did the same thing. And Newt in the contract with America, they did the same thing. They actually even balanced the budget for a couple of years, if you can believe it. And we saw nothing but record low unemployment for all these different demographics. So what is conservatism for me? It's, it's not complicated for me. And that's why, you know, we get lost in the weeds of what others, what maybe some people want to talk about or what some people might say or the rage or the agenda of other people. It's not that complicated for me. Because what matters to me is that if we do the, these simple things, the fundamentals of conservatism, it's going to be better for we, the people. I mean, it breaks my heart to see careers ruined with the stroke of a pen these are high paying career jobs and energy they're gone people have lost them nobody's paying attention to them in the media you know they're just casually nonchalantly cast aside as oh we want you to get another high paying union job really where as you open up the borders and now we have more competition for the few jobs that are available as we work our way out of this pandemic with the draconian shutdowns that accompanied it but it's simple i believe in limited government i believe in freedom of the individual under the presumption that rights are god-given not government given i believe in low taxes i believe that stimulates economic activity ending burdensome regulation i believe in a strong support for our constitution including the second amendment I believe we have law and order and safety and security in our cities. I believe that you got to have good schools for our kids. It's not complicated. Secure borders. It's good for our 
foreign policy, national security, and it's, you know, we can't have so many people coming here that nobody can get a high-paying job. Too many people in the job market. That's not good. And I believe in energy independence. I believe in people that believe in our Constitution, constitutionalists on the bench, not judicial activists. Free and fair trade, and I believe in peace through strength. And I believe if we do these simple things, that pretty much covers the ability of the American people. I believe in religious freedom, but that goes with limited government. I believe in, you know, I don't, I don't want to get into the rights of, of I think states at, at some point begin to make their own decisions. But if a government does those simple fundamental things, stick to the fundamentals, then the lives of all of us are going to be dramatically better. And that's why I hate getting off on on into all of these distractions that some other people want to bring in for pure political purposes. Because at the end of the day, it's about the people that don't have radio or TV shows that do you know work hard, play by the rules, pay their taxes, obey the laws, raise their families. And 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 just go out and kill themselves every day, 12, 14, 16 hours. And and they want to build a better life for them and their kids and their grandkids. And they want to find whatever makes them happy, where they can make the most money. And everybody provides some goods or services for other people. That's just what life's about. That's it. It doesn't get any more complicated than that. If we do those things. We'll all be better off. How the Russia collusion conspiracy theory truthers out there uh, now are saying that they want Donald Trump to testify at their show trial. Why would anybody offer any validity, legitimacy to what was totally, completely unconstitutional? Uh, Jamie Raskin, by the way, the guy that is leading this effort for the Democrats. Yeah, that challenged Trump's win in 2016 himself. And in 2017, he should be forced to detail his behavior under oath in person. Sorry, but you haven't figured it out yet. You don't even have jurisdiction in this case. You might want to take note of the fact that the chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court mentioned in the Constitution as the person to preside over such an impeachment is not partaking. That's why you've had to enlist Somebody has already come to a full conclusion. Pat Lay here. What a what a kangaroo court that is. Anyway, a political ploy on there. If you decline the invitation, we reserve any and all rights, including the right to establish a trial. Your refusal to testify supports a strong adverse inference regarding your actions. The Senate shouldn't even be offering any legitimacy to this one week snap impeachment before we found out that in fact there had been plotting and scheming and planning behind the scenes as we now know from Ocasio-Cortez we now know from FBI uh, FBI investigators we now know from court documents and we now have even fake news media mob uh, they're reporting these things yeah they're saying the same thing Uh, it's a show with a predetermined outcome Why? Because they love to distract all of us for the longest period of time so they can use executive fiat to get all to bypass Congress completely and always. Why need a second branch of government, right? 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. 
I, I of course I notice everything and I just wait and I, I usually don't talk about things until uh, until we get our own confirmation on issues and that's just the way the show rolls. We go our independent way and it certainly has served us well on a lot of issues. Most recently, our three-year investigation totally vindicated uh, that there was no Trump Russia collusion and the Ukrainian double standard and the uh, Biden fa- far- family. Uh, foreign syndicate. Yeah, that's all been uh, borne out to be true, too. Just like, oh, let's see, Ferguson and just like Baltimore and just like UVA and just like, uh, let's see, a bunch of other places. Duke Lacrosse. You know, we get we get to be right a lot when the media is wrong. So I, I, I've seen the there was a trending moment. Um, it started yesterday. And and people sending me stuff all day long. So, I'm, you know, I'm looking at whatever's there. Uh, sweet baby James is sending me stuff every second of every day. And I'm just looking, 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 looking. Anyway, so one of the things that led to a a trend on Twitter, hashtag Alexandria Casio Smullett was appearing all over social media as details emerged that that she may have may have, keywords here, exaggerated the extent of her trauma at the Capitol riot, given that she was, uh, what they're saying is, what may not have been at the site of the siege, but in an office building nearby. Now, these some of these office buildings are connected. In other words, the Capitol building's connected to other buildings. There's a whole underground railroad there. Um, like, for example, offices can be located like hers is, is in the Cannon building, And apparently, uh, according to reports, she may have been there when the rioters stormed the building or stormed the Capitol. I think she said she was in the bathroom there. That building is part of the overall Capitol complex, but it's not within the Capitol building itself. And uh, we know that that's in some cases like far as 10 minutes away from where uh, the congresswoman's office may be. Uh, So I don't know the truth uh, about the story is that but if true then we have to ask okay did they get to that part of the building people that went into the capitol that day uh but anyway so i know somebody from red state i don't know who it is but somebody from red state actually uh launched a freedom of information or submitted a freedom of information act request to the capitol Hill police in order to obtain the security footage from outside the offices where Congressman AOC has her office and Congresswoman Katie Porter has her office. And I won't, you know, and I guess they would would see. In other words, if the footage shows people banging on doors and people running up and down the halls, you know, they say they would like to publish the photos and the videos and in the meantime, give her the benefit of the doubt offered to anybody. Well, that's something that we do that many people don't do. Well, we we offer people the benefit of the doubt all the time. And but that just doesn't seem to ever be the case with people on the left. You know, it's 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 rough. How do you how do you we living in an environment where we're bypassing an entire branch of government? We're using a third branch of government for judicial activism as often as you possibly can. And. And and then Republicans, where do they find themselves? Constantly on defense. And Democrats, you know, it's they don't skip a beat. They don't sit there and say, well, what about Congresswoman Omar or Maxine Waters? 
What about the insurrectionist language of the left? What about quid pro quo Joe? What about zero experience Hunter? What about the dirty Clinton dossier? They don't seem, I mean, these are, these are weird times. It's Orwellian. It's, it's, it's actually shocking that things can, that things that up can be down and down can be up and the color red can be viewed as the color, I don't know, purple. It's just insane because there are certain things that, that should be applied equally to everybody. And you think fundamental fairness at some point would kick in with somebody, but it often does not. I noticed that the authoritarianism and statism of the left is now in full swing. And and the two people in the Senate, and that would be Manchin and Cinema, um, that both of them, there's a lot of anger and a lot of lashing out and a lot of targeting of politically by the radical extremist Democratic Party. And and I'd hardly called either one of them conservative. And I know that Joe Manchin flirts with it, but he never goes down that road. I was reading John Podhoritz in the New York Post today, and he's saying, yeah, that would be, be the place if he did become the moderate voice in the Senate. It would be the most powerful position, but I, I doubt he's going to do it. And unfortunately, that's just typical because usually what happens, yeah, you end up, you know, they, they end up buckling and caving to the pressure from within their party. Anyway, there are, there are founders of these progressive groups, um, the founders of progressive PAC Justice Democrats, which helped elect socialist Democrats like Ocasio-Cortez, have launched a new progressive PAC, No Excuses, and they're raising money for candidates to challenge both mansion and cinema with primary challenges um, to raise money uh, for anybody that might want to challenge them in a primary. Uh, both of them are not up in 2022 from, from memory. I think it's, it's who is up. Somebody is up in Mark, whatever his name is out in Arizona. He's up. And I mentioned just went through a reelection not long ago. So he's, he's not up. So I'm not sure exactly what their plan is, but you know, what was the purpose of Kamala Harris? Mark Kelly, yeah, thank you. Um, what was the purpose of of Kamala Harris speaking to local media in Arizona and West Virginia? Anyway, so we're going to watch this AOC backlash. And I guess if they Freedom of Information Act, that information becomes available. I don't like to rush to judgment. I'm watching. I'm paying close attention. It's not, I just because it's gotten so loud and started trending, I figured I'd, I'd make you aware that it's going on. Uh, because remember, the claim was Senator Cruz almost had her murdered. Senator Cruz was calling for an election audit. That's it. That's all he was doing. Same thing Democrats have done in past elections. So anyway, um, but it did trend on Twitter, and so we're watching that closely. Um now the question here is going to be how quickly can Republicans get their agenda items now focused on? Because if we start talking about issues and start looking deeply at what the Democrats are doing and implementing the, the, the Biden-Bernie Sanders manifesto and the new Green Deal, there is a narrative that needs to emerge that there are alternative views. And I believe that the, the country is not a left-wing country. It is not a socialist country. I still believe we're a center-right country. 
And if that's correct, and if socialism fails as it always does, and the false promises that every single thing you're going to need in your life is going to be given to you by a big bureaucracy in the federal government, and every fear that you have and the natural stresses of life that every human being faces in a country that that prides itself in the concept of liberty and freedom, then if, if you fall for those beliefs, well, I don't have to worry anymore because the government is going to get take care of it all for me and they're going to steal our, the money of those rich people, those terrible rich people. If you confiscate all their money, they're gonna they'll they'll spend more on themselves than I promised than the American people. You know, just as you watch politics, it just it's gotten in the gutter. I like I am really looking forward to the Super Bowl this weekend. Linda, you gonna be watching the Super Bowl as you make your oh yeah, dip? I'm gonna bet on the Super Bowl. Who are you betting on? I think I'm gonna I'm go gonna with the Buccaneers. My... You're going with the Buccaneers, really? Who's I telling am. you? Who's telling you who to go with in there? Is it Jason? No one is, is telling me anything. I've actually been talking about this a lot today, mm-hmm. and I have decided to up my sports game. So I am now going to become quasi-informed. Okay. The rest of you need to now be quiet in that room. As no I one has, you. no one has said anything. I How mean, do you I'm get a touchdown? Hundred touchdown. Percent honest. You got to. You got to run the ball. Run the ball. You got to put it in the end zone. Put the ball in the end zone. You get six points. Six points. Then you got to kick a field goal. Kick a field goal. You get another point. That wouldn't be called a field goal. The field goal is worth three points, but that's okay. Whatever. You're kicking the ball. You got to kick it through those two things, which looks really hard to me. We could just call them the uprights. Yeah. Whatever. The two poles. You mm-hmm. put the, the two poles. You put the ball through the two poles. Kick it between the two poles, okay? <laughs> it does what sound terrible when I say it. Do you know what it. color the poles are? <laughs> They're silver. I, oh, silver poles, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> they look yellow to me, but okay. <laughs> are by they? the way, you said you had to run the ball into the end zone. Are you allowed to pass the ball into the end zone? You can throw it to other people, yes. You can throw the ball to other people. I watched them do it can last week. You throw week. the ball backwards to other people. How can you throw the ball backwards? You have to be backwards. looking at where you're going to throw the ball. They're going to throw it behind their head. You can throw head. a lateral pass. You can throw. You could pitch it backwards. I mean, whatever way their body wants to move. That's the way flea they can flicker. throw a ball. You can flea flicker. You can hand it to wherever anybody wants to go. You're la- now, if you catch the ball in the end zone, is there any rules governing that? Or as long as you're in, you know, how, any rules governing? I just started boundaries? learning. I think this is a little bit in-depth for me. This is a little too in-depth for you? Okay. The most important part for me... <laughs> Is that there's a you know, fair? She has like multiple master's degrees, and it's, it's but they're like, not in sports. So the point is, you know, I'm it's to... like I'm watching the movie Clueless for five minutes. No, Go just ahead. let me tell you something, okay? I am not clueless. I'm I'm a little bit. I, I'm struggling in sports. I'm trying, but my son yeah. loves yeah. football, so mm-hmm. he he loves watching it, and he asks me questions, and I'm like, oh, I don't know the answers to these questions. I really need to figure it out. So I'm you learning. Can always call Uncle Sean, and I'll tell him. No, I'm not calling you. Because you're going to make fun of me the whole time. He needs to no, think no, that his no, mother no. knows not, not when your son's involved. I'm not going to do that. Anywho, so I'm excited. I think that Brady, you know, Brady? he's to me right now, he's the underdog. He's getting trashed in the media, and he's such a good player. And I think he's a good dad, and I like him as a person. So I want him to win. <laughs> Although I think Mahone's a great player. So, you know, it's going to be, I think it's going to be tight. Andy Reid's from Philly. So, you know, I, I got to love him a little bit there. And I just think he's a lovable guy. And he always has his wife with him on the field, which is very sweet. You know, 
Okay, those are things you look. So you're not going to be watching the lingerie bowl or the puppy bowl this year. Oh, my year. God, I do love the puppy bowl. If I could bet on the puppy bowl, I would, <laughs> honestly. I'd be like, oh, you know, I'd be, I'd be rooting for the mutt. But I'm looking, I'm looking now. I'm going to, you know, online yeah. betting is, is legal in my state. So I'm going to make a wager not or two. Not in my state. Um, I remember already one pool, but it's, that's one out of my control. Um, and I'd like to get, I'd like to place, I don't even know how to place it, but I don't think it's legal for me to you place it. You have to go to Jersey. Near. I have to go, but you have to actually make the bet in New Jersey, yeah, correct? Yeah, you have to be drive in New Jersey. over the bridge, go to over Jersey, the bridge. make the bet, and then come back home. And then you, if you get paid, do you have to go back to Jersey to get the money, or can I they wire th- it? I don't think so. You just have to place the bet over the bridge. Okay. How stupid is that? <laughs> it's the I dumbest mean, thing in the world. government can think of that. You know, but, you lose, but you have to th- think, you know, how, how big is the toll to go over the bridge? So you're losing 20 bucks, so you have to count that you, in you your wager. Think about this. All the years that government said, oh, you can't, you know, the numbers, you know, racket and all this betting, you know, it's illegal. What, what's the lottery? The lottery's government betting. What is it? And they, oh, we're going to give the money to education. They squander every penny of it. It's Absolutely. ridiculous. They, they, and they're as now, bad as de Blasio. Well, Cuomo is now thinking about gambling. He's thinking about legalizing. Cuomo doesn't think about anything. Cuomo is a terrible human being. Okay, but they, they want money so bad that all the things, and but if they do it, they're going to make it that they make the money from, you know, selling weed in, in capacities. They'll, they'll make all the money and taxes on this stuff. By the way, even with cigarettes, for example, oh, we're doing this because we want to limit smoking. Governments make more money from a pack of cigarettes than, than the tobacco companies. They love That's it. That's why they tax soda, too. They did the same thing. Same thing. They know what people are addicted to. They're not interested in helping them. They're interested in profiting so off their demise. Drugs. Well, I mean, First it's of like all, I don't think it's syndicate. gambling. Why? For example, I mean, it's gambling technically, but I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, you know, like, I'm not somebody who... <laughs> I'm not someone who bets uh-huh. all the time, but I'm really? very excited about, you know. How, how much are you planning on betting? I don't know. I'm just starting right now. I'm looking. I'm, I I mm-hmm. like that you can bet like on the color of the Gatorade. I think that's fun. I'm learning about prop bets and what that means. Um, you know, who's going to score how much in the in the quarters, you know, in that first part of the game. And, you know, how, uh, the, how many how many how how many halves are there? There's four. No, two halves uh, and four quarters. Question. Very good. I'm very now. How do you get a goal in football? I just told you you have to run it down the field and put it in the end zone. No, you don't and get goals. You get a touchdown. Whatever you know, the points. You get the points. You know what okay. I mean. The touchdown. Touchdown. You know, I don't think that the dancing and all that stuff is very gracious, though. That's a little what rude. Dancing? You know, they get oh, the touchdown. The they do those weird dances. That's yeah, not the very way, sportsmanlike. You know USA Today had this stupid calm yesterday. Why has Tom Brady gotten a free pass for supporting Trump? Can I just did the NFL a favor? Stop talking about politics. Exactly right. Because let me tell you what America wants Sunday. A break. Give yeah. us a break. Not only that. But I want to cook bad food that I'm not supposed yes. to eat, and I want to eat it. Not only and that. I want to we... have friends over. The CDC is literally saying, Are you have, Linda have over? a virtual noisemakers and don't make any noise because shouting will spread COVID. I'm like, you can't have a crowd, you can't have a group, and they want you to what? They want me to pull out the New Year's Eve, you know, horn. You know what else you don't want to think about during the sports, what? during uh, the Super Bowl? What? Your taxes. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, toll free. Our number is eight hundred nine four one. Sean, if you want to be a part of the program, 
All right, so a lot happening. You got now the Democrats. We'll get into this a little more detail at the bottom of the hour. Steve Moore will tell us the danger of all of these uh, economic changes that are happening in the country. Uh, we've got the latest shift show and unconstitutional post-presidency impeachment trial. It's only a question of how long this thing is going to go on. It's a predetermined outcome. And, and of course, the one, a couple of things really bother me in this whole process. It's sort of like, you know, I'm, I don't agree with Marjorie Taylor Greene's comments, but apparently the people in North Georgia made that decision. Every year, I guess, every election year, Maxine Waters gets reelected and we have her on tape. What I'm saying, things that I believe are insurrectionist like language. And I don't see any efforts to ever remove her from any committee or Congresswoman Omar, or Congresswoman Talib, or Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, or, or Chuck Schumer, for example, and his insurrectionist message on the steps of the U.S. Supreme Court, or Kamala Harris, or Joe Biden, or Nancy Pelosi, because we've been playing all of them. You know, when you look at the, the impeachment articles, okay, they talk about incitement to insurrection, and they, they refer often, the president said that day, to go fight like hell. Well, he also said many of you will patriotically and peacefully march to the Capitol so your voices will be heard. They, they failed to put that in their complaint or in their incitement charge. Uh, between that and the incendiary language of the left, we don't have anything that resembles fundamental fairness, equal application of standards on any of these issues. And I don't care if it's Marjorie Taylor Greene versus the squad members, even anti-Semitic statements, and even calls to violence and threatening language, et cetera, et cetera. Because this, this, they reek of hypocrisy and a double standard. For example, you can't say fight. Okay, let's listen to the Democrats talk about fighting. What does Congress do about this? We fight. Uh, we keep fighting. We're going to keep fighting and fighting and fighting for this. That doesn't mean we don't fight. I think we have to fight harder than ever. We know this is going to be a hard fight. It's going to be a competitive fight. We should dream big, fight hard, and take back our country. This is a fight of our lives. Stand up and fight for the best of who we are. And I'm prepared to fight, and I know how to fight. But I'm ready for that fight. Increasing numbers of people are ready for that fight. Stand up and fight for democracy. I will fight every day until he is impeached. There's only two ways to win a fight. You can win a fight through submission or through exhaustion. We can't just imagine a better future. We've got to fight for it. We continue to fight for a progressive agenda in, in our future. That's what uh, we're fighting against uh, when we fight Republicans in Congress who don't want to pass uh, legislation now. This is time for every single one of us to get up and fight for our country. This new uh, uh, freshman class in Congress has got to come in and really set the agenda and fight, fight, fight. You cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. But I like to debate this gentleman. And I said, no, I said, if we were in high school, I'd take you behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. You got to be ready to take a punch. You got to be ready to throw a punch. You get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. Everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up, and they should not. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, 
You have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. Get up in the face of some Congress people. It does you any good running away from Donald Trump. I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. All right, joining us now, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, writing the bestseller Trump, The American Future, as well. And he has his own podcast, which we link to on Hannity.com. All right, so apparently everybody uses the word fight, 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 not just Donald Trump. And apparently, if we're going to define insurrection as marching peacefully and patriotically to let your voices be heard, well, I would say all these Democrats we keep playing are a lot more, a lot, they are far more guilty of insurrection than Donald Trump. Of course. And, and remember, this, this is a standard uh, behavior from people who've read, uh, you know, roles for radicals. Do what you're doing and then blame your opponent for the same thing. So you have these people who have been lying, who have been, you know, starting with Madonna saying that she dreamed of the White House burning down with the Trump. Oh, she dreams. Let's get that right. She dreams an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Blowing up the White House. Uh, I apologize. Thank you for correcting me. Just want to uh, be. Just want to be specific. Yeah, and that was the day after he was sworn in. So it has been going on for four years. Um, but what we're faced with here is not justice. It's not a legal structure. Uh, what we're faced with is a system of political destruction that is deliberate, that is totally outside the American system, totally against the rules of how we operate. Uh, and the Democrats clearly don't care. They're, they've, they are making an all-out effort to take control of the country and to get it done before 2022, uh, and they are going to apply the most radical behaviors that we've ever seen. I mean, it's, it's really, uh, I think, an enormous problem. I think, well, it's a huge problem, but now this is where we find ourselves as a country. So, you know, you got Joe Biden in office, hasn't been very long, Mr. Speaker, you know, what's all of 16 days, and you see him now ruling by... Uh, the, the stroke of a pen, executive fiat, executive orders, uh, Joe Biden himself. Let me play it for you. Uh, he actually said that you can't do that, that we're a democracy. You need to get the votes. Otherwise, you'd be a dictator. Here's what he said. I got to get the votes. I got to get the votes. That's why, you know, uh, the one thing that I, I have this strange notion, we are a democracy. Some of my Republican friends and some of my Democratic friends even occasionally say, well, if you can't get the votes by executive order, you're going to do something. Things you can't do by executive order unless you're a dictator. We're a democracy. We need consensus. Well, he started out in just day one with three times the amount of executive orders than the three previous presidents combined. And it's yeah, getting look, worse I, every I, day. I, yeah. I, I think nothing that Biden has said has any meaning. I think you have to watch what he does, not what he says. And I think that what he does is every possible step to impose a genuine left-wing uh, system that can't be challenged. I mean, their, their model is California. They want a one-party country. Uh, they want that party to be the Democrats. They know that if they don't move very aggressively, that the next election will repudiate them. And so you, you're having a 
all-out effort, in my judgment, to see that kind of pressure being brought to bear. And uh, I, I find it, frankly, scary. When, when, when they start announcing that they're going to start reviewing the military, and I assume that's the first step towards purging the military, uh, I find that really sobering about where they're going. And so you have the same thing going on here. That These people are bullies. And the announcement today that they want Trump to come and testify is a clear provision. You can't make people testify against themselves. If the Trump team thinks it's not to his advantage to show up, he shouldn't show up. But they want, yeah. they want the public spectacle of being able to take him apart because that's where they're starting from. I've been very clear lately because there seems to be, and, and I guess things, we have this actions against, these actions today against Marjorie Taylor Greene. Okay, she gave a speech on the House floor. And I'm and I'm watching it. And, and she did apologize for things she has said in the past. OK, some crazy stuff that she has said. Um, but that's really up to the people of North Georgia, in my view. It's up to the people in Maxine Waters districts or Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez's district or Mars district or, you know, any any of these controversial congressmen and women that are out there. And and that and that's the, and, but the voters will ultimately make the decision on these issues. Not I don't think it should be from other representatives, especially considering they haven't really done this a lot in the past. And I'm just I'm just watching the reaction. And I see now we have such a flagrant double standard in this society. And I wonder and I worry and I'm concerned that on every issue there's there's breathtaking hypocrisy. I mean, it basically, if you're a conservative, you get arrested, you'll spend eight years in jail for spitting on the sidewalk. But we saw what the deep state has gotten away with. Now we see that the incendiary language of the left is ignored by the left and ignored by the media and the, by big tech. On, on all of these issues, there's one standard for conservatives, one standard for liberals. Thoughts? Well, that's absolutely right. What, what you have is a propaganda media totally dedicated to turning America into a left-wing state. You have a Democratic Party now totally determined to destroy the Republicans uh, if they can possibly do it. Uh, And and you just go through item after item like this. And I think it's very important people get out of their heads this idea of fairness. There is no fairness. We are in the middle of a deliberate effort by left-wing totalitarians to take over the country, to do whatever they have to do to drive us out of power, to chase down every one of our people and make it expensive to have been for us. And us is not just Trump. I mean, they are amazingly aggressive. And frankly, they're also destroying things that they're not. They will look back and realize the danger that they're going to be in. Because if you think about it for a second, this year they happen to have a majority. It's a very small majority, it's five votes. What happens? If as is very likely, we take control in the next election in the House. At that point, I think they should the Republicans should require every single Democrat to come in front of the Republican steering committee in order to get their committee assignments, and just say, "You started down this road. This is the game you wanted to play, and now you're going to pay the cost of that game." We never, you know, we talked. We'd never do it though. Is it to me, you know, I go I look at the three legs of modern conservatism and you're one of them. 
the contract with America. Reagan's one of them. The Trump election and presidency, which is uh, consequential, is one of them. It's simple, Mr. Speaker. Cut taxes, more liberty, more freedom, and the burdensome bureaucracy. Uh, conservative constitutionalists on the bench. Secure borders, energy, independence. Uh, we we support, love our Constitution and, and our Second Amendment. Then free and fair trade and peace through strength. And I think I've pretty much covered most of what I what, what matters to me and works for the country. Right. And that makes us radically different from the people on the left who want to acquire power, uh, take away your freedoms, dictate to you what you're allowed to say, uh, and basically reorganize the entire country around their values and their power structure. Doug in North Carolina. What's up, Doug? How are you? Glad you called, sir. I'm doing well. Thank you. I was uh, wondering, now that the Chief Justice uh, has decided he's not going to be involved in this trial in the Senate, and Patrick Leahy's decided to uh, to step in and, and, uh, and be the chair of this. Most any commission or, or trial that, that I've ever experienced, um, whoever's presiding over that wouldn't necessarily have a, a vote in it. And I'm just wondering how Leahy can, uh, in the past couple of weeks, be on record as, as accusing Trump of inciting an insurrection and then preside over what is essentially going to be a trial in the Senate. He's already determined... Un- He's already determined that Trump's guilty. How, well, how, how yeah. could he be the judge of anything involving this case? It just is insanity to me, right? And, and does he get to vote as a senator once he's presided over over the trial? I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. And you know, <laughs> thankfully, I haven't been in front of a lot of judges, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to um, have the the judge, jury, and, and executioner all be the same guy. Yeah, look, and it makes it more of a farce every day. I mean, some people say, well, they want to call Trump as a witness. Okay, what they want is more theater. They want a bigger show. And I think I don't think the president's lawyers would uh, want him to do that, And nor do I think he'd ever go. Why should he validate what they're doing? The Senate shouldn't be validating what they're doing. Nobody should be validating and legitimizing this. You know, there was no witnesses, no evidence, no hearings, nothing. That's a snap impeachment before we found out, oh, a lot of this was pre-planned and it was not words that incited these people after all. Although, you know, some might have gotten caught up in it. All right. Anyway, I appreciate your observation. You know what? You make too much sense for Washington, Doug. That's why you're probably smartly living in North Carolina. All right. Quick break. We'll come back. Uh, Steve Moore weighs in on this massive spending for this COVID relief package, the impact it'll have. The use of reconciliation and executive orders and bypassing one entire branch of government. Next. I-25 to the top of the hour, 800 Sean, you want to be a part of the program. So in keeping with the never-ending uh, executive orders, remember, I want to play this again. Joe Biden d- defined the use of executive orders And what that really means is if we have three branches of government, the executive branch, the legislative branch, and, of course, the judicial branch of government, and they're co-equal branches of government, and you have a president, the executive branch, through through legislative bypass, if you will, ignoring one whole entire branch of government and just, you know, through the stroke of a pen and executive fiats, uh, that is, you know, you, you begin to argue when somebody's doing everything possible that way, what is wrong with them? Then, of course, as a means of getting past the usual process of passing a budget, which would include 
bringing in Republicans uh, to get the budget passed. Well, why bother doing it that way? This is how they passed the this is how they did Obamacare through the reconciliation process. We haven't talked about it in a while. And this is what they're going to now do with their one point nine trillion dollars to pass their covid relief package which is also basically a blue state bailout. Let me explain the blue state bailout. The blue state bailout is for states like New York, California, Illinois, New Jersey. In other words, states that will never vote Republican, that are that have been governed by liberal Democrats on the state government side for decades. Same with the mayors like in New York City, et cetera. And the people in these states elect big spending, big deficit uh, accumulating officials and they don't balance their budget. They live well beyond their means. They tax people into oblivion. And those states now that have been fiscally responsible, electing fiscally responsible politicians and also funding their pensions, balancing their budgets, they will now be forced to pay for these bailouts. And here's Bernie Sanders saying, ah, why go through the normal process of passing a spending bill when we can just ram it through with the reconciliation process? Should Democrats move to pass coronavirus relief with 51 votes if they can't get Republicans support, say, before the impeachment trial? Well, I don't know what the word compromise means. I know that working families are in living today in more economic desperation than since the Great Depression. And if Republicans are willing to work with us to address that crisis, welcome, let's do it. But what we cannot do is wait weeks and weeks and months and months to go forward. We have got to act now. That is what the American uh, people want. Now, as you know, reconciliation, which is a Senate rule, was used by the Republicans under Trump to pass massive tax breaks for the rich and large corporations. It was used as an attempt to repeal the affordable CARE Act. Uh, and what we are saying is you use it for that. That's fine. We're going to use reconciliation. That is 50 votes in the Senate plus the vice president to pass legislation desperately needed by working families in this country right now. You did it. We're going to do it. But we're going to do it to protect ordinary people, not just the rich and the powerful. And what's your timeline on that? As soon as we possibly can. So what they're saying and what it means is the way they went and passed, it was actually he got his facts wrong. This all started under Obama. Remember uh, Scott Brown? He was going to be the vote against Obamacare. Big election. Republicans won it. Then they bypassed the, the normal process anyway to do whatever they wanted. Anyway, here to weigh in on this big question is Steve Moore. Between the executive orders and now using reconciliation, your thoughts? Well, first of all, Sean, one of the most important things people have to realize is that there is one trillion. And by the way, we're talking about millions, billions, trillions of dollars. I think people's eyes glaze over. You know, when you and I first came to Washington, we talked about the budget in the millions and billions. Now they're talking about in the, in the billions and trillions of dollars. But there is, did you know, Sean, there's one trillion, more than one trillion dollars that, of money that hasn't already been spent by the first five COVID relief bills. We want, so in other words, we appropriated four, some $4 trillion in the last year on COVID. Uh, and, and one trillion of it still hasn't been spent because these agencies can't spend it as fast as Congress keeps appropriating more and more money. And we just passed a bill, as you know, Sean, in the, in the final days of the Trump administration, appropriating $900 billion. And now the Democrats want to spend another $1.9 when they haven't even spent $1 trillion of it. 
what I really want to ask you, and I want you, I want people to understand now, because you're right about the 900 a million that is remaining that have yet to be distributed. And yeah. and yeah. by the way, how ridiculous is it that I got two six hundred dollar checks? Did you get any of those checks? I didn't get a check. My wife didn't no, get a check. I, and, you know, and I told and my guy, I mailed it to my guy. I said, whatever we do, don't cash this stupid check. I don't want their $600. I don't think I, I, I don't deserve to get $600. It right. should go to Americans that are in need of $600. And they're not even apparently going to even means test this, or they weren't up until yesterday. I think they finally, finally, finally considered it for the first time. So here's my big question. This is the big question I want you to answer. Okay. We showed that conservatism works, cutting taxes, ending the bureaucracy, pursuing energy independence, securing our border, increasing wages for all demographic groups in America. All of that worked under the Donald Trump's policies. Yes. Now yes. we're going now we're reversing all of it. Take your That's time right. in your answer. How does this end? You know, I was honored to serve as an economic advisor to Donald Trump, and we put together the, the tax cut and the deregulation and the pro-America energy policies, the kind of things you talk about every day on your show. And the left, remember what they said back in, in, uh, in 2016 and 17, they said it would never work. Remember, they said, Paul Krugman said it would cause a second Great Depression if we, if we did all these things. Well, we did it. We did the scientific experiment, and we had the best economy in American history. We had the lowest poverty rate in the history of the United States, not just for all Americans, but for minorities. Think about that. A smaller percentage of Americans were poor during Donald Trump's first three years in office than any other time in the history of the United States. We had the biggest wage gains in 20 years. We had income gains for the middle class, median family income, the people that Bernie Sanders was just talking about. Those not, the, the median family income went up to $6,000 in three years under under uh, Donald Trump it only the numbers went up only about three thousand dollars in eight years under Obama we had the lowest unemployment rate ever we had a booming stock market we I mean I could go on and on and on the point is we had the best Trump was right we did have the about the best economy ever and now you're right uh, you know we we twisted the dials in the right direction for growth and we got it and now what biden is doing is we're just going to repeal all of that and i got to tell you sean that's not going to have a happy ending we go back to massive spending massive borrowing massive tax increases uh the reduction in american energy you know i have a great statistic for you sean did you do you know how much oil the united states imported from saudi arabia in the month of january i do zero zero isn't that amazing that's it's amazing and by the way, the, forget America first. This is America last. This is make Russia rich again, make Iran rich again, China rich again, and Middle Eastern countries that hate us rich exactly. again. Exactly. For example, the, the tax cuts we did, what we did was we cut tax rates on American companies, and we did it unapologetically. Why did we do that? Because jobs come from businesses, and we wanted American businesses to be the most competitive in the world. And all of a sudden, we started sucking capital back from all of these countries like China and Japan and Russia and Mexico, it all came back to the United States. As Trump said, you know, first time we actually had uh, factories, you know, uh, leaving Mexico and coming, coming to Michigan rather than the opposite. And I fear that we're going to make America a very uncompetitive place. And you're right. The Chinese, the Saudis and the Russians are going to greatly benefit from this. If you look at the record low unemployment for every specific demographic in this country, which happened and we had record after record after record set, uh, set by Donald Trump, 
You add now amnesty to 11 plus million people, open borders. Mm -hmm. That's also happening. Loss of high paying career jobs in the energy sector. Then you add the economic burden to business of regulation, which will push manufacturing again away from America, like during the Biden-Obama years, increasing the federal minimum wage, increasing paid family medical leave, uh, repealing right-to-work laws, um, literally, you know, opposing the border wall, education, we're going to pay for education for illegal immigrants, less money for American children, uh, Medicare for all, add that to it, and this Green New Deal with a price tag, you know, up and around the ten trillion dollar range, uh, it to me is nothing but a formula for catastrophe. Uh, I would, you would think so, and I think it, it is a recipe for catastrophe. That what Joe Biden has going for him is exactly the opposite of what he's saying, which is that Donald Trump has teed up this economy. I mean, once we get this vaccine out there. If we were just to keep the taxes low, get the get the regulations out of the way, continue to pr- produce American energy, I mean, we'd see an explosion in growth in 2021. And even if Biden screws everything up this year, because, the, you know, you saw the unemployment numbers came out this morning, declining number of people getting unemployment benefits because the economy is getting healthier. And none of the, this is my point, Sean, we don't need $1.9 trillion of new debt. And middle class people and young people are going to have to pay the cost of this enormous debt. Just let the economy work. It is healing itself. Get the vaccine out there. And by the way, I'm not even sure we need a massive government program to do that. Well, I I don't think we do actually at all. Um, it, It just gets very, very interesting all the way across the board. All right. Unrelated question. So I have friends of mine that that are huge into Bitcoin. People have been telling me to buy Bitcoin for years and years and years. Cryptocurrency. This is what I know about Bitcoin. It's cryptocurrency. Um, Scaramucci, I think, says he thinks it's going to 100 bucks. Uh, it was in one paper today somewhere. Anyway, so I think it's at 37 as of yesterday. I didn't look at it today. And so Bitcoin is an algorithm, a mathematical equation, right. and it's a cryptocurrency. And there's only you know a finite amount of it. And once they mine it all, there'll be no more. So... And more and more places are accepting. We have gov- governments is accepting it. Now we have more yeah. and more companies that are willing to accept cryptocurrency. You don't have to pay uh, the fees normally associated with transactions. Okay, I get it. Why does the price keep going up the way it is? And do you believe in it? Uh, the reason the price is going up, and by the way, there's many. Big, I mean, there's many cryptocurrencies and. What's going on here, Sean, is because these governments are out of control right now, the European economies, Biden's talking about massively increasing our debt, our increasing our spending. Well, what does that do to the currency? Right. It reduces the value of the currency. You and I lived through the big inflation of the 1970s when the old joke was if you saw a dollar bill on the ground, you see if there's a you pick it up to see if there's anything of value underneath it because the dollar had, had so crashed. And I think a lot of Americans and investors around the world are worried about what we call government fiat currencies because they're cheapening them every day when they spend and spend and spend and borrow. I like the idea of having a private competition with government central bank currencies. I really do. Now, would I buy, you know, Bitcoin right now? I'd be a little skeptical because it's already gone up so much. Uh, and I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to give a recommendation one way or the other. But it is a good thing because these central Can I ask you correct. personally, as a, as a private citizen, did you buy any? 
Uh, no, I don't own, own Bitcoin. I'm worried about it. I think the one thing people have to understand is as much as we have debauched our currency, it is still the single best asset to own because it, it has something that no private currency, Bitcoin or any other has, which is has the full faith and credit of the United States government behind it. And you're taking a risk if you buy a Bitcoin because there's nothing that stands behind it. And that, that's, that's my recommendation. Why you, you mentioned these other other uh, cryptocurrencies coming online. Why do you think they may do well? Because we're moving into a digital digital age right now. And for making transactions, uh, you know, more and more of what we do is with credit cards and with digital transactions. The need for paper currency is declining all the time. And so the, the other thing people like about uh, cryptocurrencies is privacy. No privacy. I don't want the government to know every transaction I make, and this is a way of you know being able See, to. It, and know, I, yeah, and I think in the past the anybody that was using it early was look was looked upon as suspect, but I think it's more mainstream now, right? I agree with you. You know, it's not. You know, people say, "Oh, we." You know, the government says, "Oh, we can't have cryptocurrencies because it's drug dealers and so on." But no, there are very many reasons why an honest business would want not 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 to have government officials know every transaction they're making. Yeah. All right, Steve Moore, always love having you on the program. Thank you for being with us. His book, by the way, Trumponomics, Inside the America First Plan to Revive Our Economy. All right, when we come back, a news roundup, information overload hour, we'll get to your calls. You know, one thing I meant to ask Steve about this, now Romney's proposing a $350 monthly child allowance to replace current assistance. And that would be for... that. In other words, for children younger than six, they would receive 350 bucks. Parents of kids ages six to 17 would receive $250. Why are we going to give kids that much money? All right. Anyway, we'll get to our uh, news roundup information overload. Greg Jarrett and Don Brown break down the impeachment constitutional sham for next week and more as we continue. Roundup and information overload. All right, news roundup and information overload hour. Thanks for being with us, Sean Hannity Show. Your call's coming up this uh, hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Now, so next week, the shift show, the predetermined outcome, post-presidential unconstitutional impeachment sham begins. And there have been talk, well, maybe we'll just, we'll have censure, considering we already know 45 Republicans are not going to go along with what they deem as unconstitutional. And so, you know, Chuck Schumer had the option of, I guess, Susan Collins and Tim Kaine said, well, maybe we'll just do a censure and move on. The only question that remains is, are they going to drag this out with witness after witness after witness? And I'm fine either way with it, to be honest, if that's what they want to do, because every day they do this, it is going to further alienate and anger the American people and see, they'll see this for what this is, a, a purely political maneuver by the Democrats that cannot let go of their irrational rage, psychotic hatred towards all things Donald Trump. So Schumer's out there saying, oh, Trump deserves a conviction, no less. OK, and then you got Pelosi snapping at reporters. They dared to ask the impeachment question, considering she's the one that allowed the snap impeachment without any evidence, without really, really any facts on the table, uh, without any witnesses whatsoever, uh, because she wanted her last dig at Donald Trump. 
Anyway, let's play them both. The question is, though, there was a lot of conversation last week from Senator Kane and others seeing the writing on the wall as to the votes that maybe if he's not convicted, do a censure for the president. Are you open to that as an alternative if he's not convicted? I think the president should be tried. I hope he will vote to be convicted. Anything past that um, is something we can discuss, but it, he deserves conviction. As far as the impeachment trial is concerned, uh, Senator Graham said that if the Democrats call any witness, that they'll be prepared, the Republicans will be prepared to call in the FBI and, quote, tell us about people who prevented with the security footprint at the Capitol. What's your response? Members threatened the safety of other members. We'd be the first ones to take them off of the committee. That's it. Thank you. I can't answer that question whatsoever because I have no idea what the right answer is. Anyway, here to weigh in on the legal aspect of this, we got Greg Jarrett. He's the host of his new podcast, The Brief, two New York Times number one bestsellers, The Russia Hoax and Witch Hunt. Don Brown, former U.S. Navy JAG officer and author of the book Travesty of Justice, a bestseller in its own right. Thank you both for being with us. Greg, I know you've been following this. It seems, you know, once you determine it's unconstitutional, it's over, has to be over in the eyes of 45 Republican senators, correct? Oh, you're absolutely right, and you were correct, Sean, to point out that the outcome of the Senate trial was ordained the moment 45 Republicans last week voted to dismiss the case against Trump, because you can't impeach under the Constitution a president who's no longer president. Um, so, But what I find so contemptible about Nancy Pelosi and her fellow Democrats in voting to impeach without holding a single hearing is that they knew that if they held a hearing, it would be destructive to them. Uh, they didn't want to present evidence because they have no credible and incriminating evidence. So they rushed through the impeachment. And now Pelosi demanding, oh, the Senate should do what I didn't do and call witnesses fine. I say, let's call Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who revealed on Tuesday of this week that she was warned of the violence a week in advance of the riots. And so who did she it, tell? Yeah, I mean, how is it possible for Trump to have incited violence, as is claimed in the article of impeachment, if that violence was actually planned before he delivered his speech? And so, you know, that just underscores that this is all about vilifying and destroying Donald Trump. It's an abuse of power by Pelosi and Schumer. And your take, Don Brown. Well, I, I agree with Greg. They don't want to touch the evidence with a 10-foot pole, not only because you're going to expose what Democrats knew, su such as what AOC knew, and not only that, but, you know, Doug Jones is a lot smarter lawyer than I am, but if I'm defending the case, I probably play a montage of all those incendiary comments that Maxine Waters and and Kamala Harris and Chuck Schumer have made over the years about getting their faces, go out in the street. I play that and say, what does it mean to incite? Because whatever the president said when he said to go peacefully falls far beyond that standard. But this is the second time in 13 months they've taken basically the U.S. Senate, the Democrats, they haven't turned it into sort of a Barnum and Bailey's clown show by ignoring the Constitution. Uh, Greg Jarrett had a great uh, op-ed, I'm going to plug it a little bit, yesterday on Fox, in which he calls the Democrats the new patron saints of lost causes. But if you go to Article 2, Section 4, that lays it out as to who can be impeached. The president, 
the vice president, and all civil officers of the United States, not the former president, the former vice president, the president, the vice president, and all civil officers. If the founders wanted to uh, open up the Constitution for a Senate impeachment of private individuals, they could have done so. But the Democrats are throwing the Constitution in the trash can. They give lip service to the Constitution, but at the end of the day, it is a restraining device against excessive government power. It gets in their way. They're the ones that ought to be impeached for making a mockery of the Constitution constitutional process, if you ask me. I, I, I think there are three th- arguments that are going to be made here. Now, from once you win the constitutional argument, you really could just pack up and leave. But I think both of you have touched on the, the two other arguments that I think are imper- pertinent to the case, considering I've read the, you know, the entire case that the Democrats are putting forward, and they're going to try and make it as incendiary as possible, and they'll probably slice and dice and edit their words Fighting the, you know, Republicans said go. Donald Trump said go fight like hell, and I put a montage together on TV the other night, Greg Jarrett, and all it was was Democrats saying we've got to fight. This is the fight of our lives. Don't stop fighting. And then the third one is well, if we're gonna now define one being an insurrectionist by saying go fight, that means all the Democrats can be included in that category. And more importantly, you can't ignore, as Don was putting out, uh, many of you will now peacefully and patriotically march to the Capitol so your voices will be heard. Um, when you when you put all of these elements together and now the discovery of the pre-planning that went in, into all of this and identified groups and court documents and FBI investigations and even liberal media now having to report it was pre-planned, it kind of takes away that the words incited what happened on the 6th of January. You're, you're absolutely right. And the word fight, by the way, has multiple meanings. It's a generic term. But I would do, as you just suggest, Sean, I'd play a bunch of, of clips. I mean, you can go look at Trump's speech. You can look at uh, the comments of Democrats. Nowhere in Trump's speech did he advocate or direct imminent harm. And that's what law, the law of incitement demands. You have to show specific intent to cause violence. There's no evidence that Trump ever intended the mob to launch an assault on the Capitol building or breach security or attack police, none of that. Um, so, so Nancy Pelosi, and I, I agree with you again, Sean, I would play clips of the things Nancy Pelosi has said. She's accused Trump publicly uh, of racism, fascism, treason, sedition, bribery, causing mass death. Uh, you know, is that incendiary? Absolutely. And in fact, Trump's words pale in comparison to Pelosi's bombastic rhetoric that, you know, one could equally argue is incitement under their standard. You know, it seems, again, there is a legal definition of this, and, and Trump's own words. You know, he's telling people that you're going to do the exact opposite of what happened. Um, I like the montage idea. I like the Republicans playing offense. But when you pre-plan an event and you identify specific groups in the Washington Post and and fake news, CNN and and court documents uh, citing the FBI investigations that are ongoing, you know, conclude uh, can identify the very specific people involved, where the breach took place, the signs that were missed that. All of this could possibly happen. We had intelligence apparently leading up to this, as referenced by AOC. And when you put all of this, you know, together, Don, and I'm thinking, well, how did they miss this whole thing? And will the Democrats hold the same standards to themselves? And how do Republicans hold them to these same standards? 
Well, there's a, there's a colossal double standard, as you pointed out, in cr- increasingly in an accurate manner over the years. They won't hold the standards to themselves. They will, they'll try to play an incendiary montage of the worst that they can find. And then my guess is that if, if uh, the president's team tries to, you know, put on a montage of Maxine Waters and, you know, and, and the speaker herself and, uh, and the vice president now of some of the incendiary things, they said they're going to try to shut it down as not being relevant. And the other thing they don't want to touch is this, Sean. I touched it, touched on this last time you had me on. They don't want to touch on the underlying basis of the claim itself that the president made false claims of election fraud. That They do not want to go there because that's a nuclear hot potato. So there are a number of dangerous, you know, booby traps for the Democrats to step in. But, hey, they, uh, they sort of speak first and ask questions later and uh, have been very, very reckless in their approach. And I, ex- I expect this thing to get pitched. But it'll be interesting to see exactly what is allowed in terms of evidence to be placed on by the president's team. Yeah. Moving on to another topic, Hunter Biden is being investigated criminally, as we know, Greg Jarrett. Uh, we know that Joe Joe Biden had to, I guess, publicly speak out against his brother, who was getting paid a consultant's fee for some law firm, I think, down in Florida, and using video from the inaugur- from inauguration day as a means of of touting this law firm. Uh, all right, Hunter Biden, I guess he can't do any more deals with Ukrainian oligarchs and with Russian oligarchs and with corrupt officials in, in Ukraine, and he can't get another deal with the Bank of China, but he's not wasting any more time himself to cash in on his father's office. And apparently he's going to publish a memoir, Beautiful Things, it's called. Um, I don't see anywhere in my reading of any of this that, as he discusses, I guess, his struggles with substance abuse, which was fairly obvious from the picture in the laptop where he fell asleep with a crack pipe in his mouth. Um, but I, I've got to believe, isn't that kind of a quick way to cash in my dad's president by my book? Yeah, it's pretty consistent with Hunter Biden. He's been a grifter all his life um, and a pretty good one, judging by the millions he's made leveraging his father's power and making promises to foreign clients that, you know, he can exploit his father's power for their benefit. Um, I, I think these investigations need to continue at full steam. It'll be interesting to see the confirmation hearing of the Attorney General nominee, Merrick Garland, because I am sure that people like Lindsey Graham on the Judiciary Committee will solicit an absolute solemn promise from Garland that he will not shut down those investigations or otherwise try to unduly influence them. Uh, These are investigations uh, into crimes, and from what I understand, there could be a great many of them. Oh, thank you both. Greg Jarrett, thank you. Don Brown, thank you. All right, let's get some uh, of your calls in here. We'll take calls also for the final half hour of the program. All right, the United Socialist uh, Utopia of California. Uh, Melody, comrade, welcome to the program. Thanks for being with us. Looks more and more every day like your governor may not make it. Hopefully not. Um, Sean, why do we have two parties when only the Democrats seem to implement their outlandish agenda? For example, they ordered us to stand down in Benghazi while our men died so that Obama could win re-election with no consequences. They ordered us to stand down as we watched with our own eyes Biden still in an election and again with no consequences. 
What are the Republicans doing? Shouldn't it be Congress's number one duty to protect our country from both foreign and domestic enemies? Right now, we're dealing with a domestic enemy. What, what, are, what are the Republicans doing? Well, look, don't diminish the four years, the consequential presidency that was Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence. You cannot dismiss it. I mean, conservatism, Melody, when you apply it, it works. People didn't like the style of Donald Trump. Some people, I had no problem with it. Uh, But he got the job done, philosophically sound conservatism. That's how he did it. Best president I've seen in my lifetime. And look how they treated him. They threw him out of office when he won. That was like the biggest night for the Republicans. We won that election. They threw him out of office, and they're still coming after him. Why are we allowing this? We are a free America. What the heck are we doing? This is crazy. We need to give them all pink slips now except for a few, and put in new guards for our liberty. What are we doing? We could do this legally, but we have to do something. They Listen, over, they I've said this last country, night. They- I, I, I'm a conservative. My agenda is simple, what I think works for the country, right? One thing they got to add to that is, you know, if laws exist, statutory language exists, that observers get to observe vote counting, we've got to enforce it. If a constitution of a state says that you can't have mail-in voting, they have to they have to have a constitutional amendment laws that say you you can't have mail in voting in a state and they allow it anyway. You got to get these things straightened out so people will have faith, trust, confidence in elections moving forward. That's got to be a big agenda item or else, you know, we'll never have confidence in it again. As, as you're expressing 800 941 Sean is our number. We'll continue. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. All right, let's get a lot of calls in this half hour. We'll uh, go to Cullen. He's in Pennsylvania first. Feel sorry for people in the energy field. Be losing their jobs in Pennsylvania. High-paying career jobs, good people, great Americans. Make our lives. Uh, they're out, they've been saving us all money at the pump and heating. How are you, Cullen? What's going on? Oh, I'm doing great, Sean. Thanks for taking my call. I love this state. Um, my question had to do with, um, given all the uh, baggage, whether earned or unearned or made up by the media, however it happens to be, that Trump is with him, uh, do you think that ultimately he would be a help or a hindrance to the Republican Party and conservatism as a whole to try to run or influence future elections? I think he's a, a, a genuinely a, a big plus. Um, look, a lot of things. It's very interesting to me to watch the media because for the most part, by being silenced by the big tech world and not being on Twitter and social media and the, and the president now, um, certainly he's, he's growing accustomed to his new, new re- basically returning to his old life. Um, and being, um, well, uncharacteristically quiet for a little while, it's got everybody wondering, what's he thinking? What's he doing? What's he going to say? When's he going to say it? And I find that part of it amusing. And I think it's, we, we have the attention spans collectively. They're very short. Let me, let me say it more charitably. We don't have very long attention spans as a country. The news cycles, they go very quickly in this country, and I know because this is what I do every day, and 
And big stories, ones that might have lasted a week, a month, or gone on even longer, you know, can be over in a, a 24-hour, 48-hour, 72-hour cycle. And because we're getting hit with so much information at once. And so I think that we're going to go through the shift show. I, I'm not really going to be too worked up about next week because it's a predetermined outcome. And Democrats acting mad and feigning their outrage and their anger and blame and and they're just they're going to rage away. And the American people have seen all of this now for five straight years. I think yeah. there's going to be a collective sigh and rolling of eyes and, and people have moved on. Now, when Donald totally Trump reemerges, right. um, I think in many ways, the agenda that that he that that he proved can be successful is going to be in the forefront. You add to that, probably we got to make sure that laws are followed and 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 constitutions are followed in states and so on and so forth. And that we see Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona now looking to make the appropriate change to instill more confidence in our election systems and other states need to follow suit. So right. I think that's a key component or I, I worry that if the Democrats get their wish with no voter ID ever of any kind, no signature verification of any kind, all mail-in ballots, that it would lend itself, as the New York Times told us, to uh, much higher rates of fraud. I'm just quoting them. So I think he's going to come back and we'll see what he what he has to say. Um, would Donald Trump come back again? Well, he wrote The Art of the Deal. And Cullen, people forget, he wrote another book, The Art of the Comeback. Why wouldn't he come back? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think his policies are something that a lot of people, even middle of the ground people, really agree with. They're incredibly popular. It, I think sometimes just a mixture between media bias against him, which has been absolutely absurd, obviously, and let's face it, his own mouth sometimes get him in so much trouble that there's just so many people who hate him so much. And so I'm just worried about him possibly being this big, easy target going forward. He's for definitely a lightning rod, but also people appreciate the fact. Look, what he did was take the conservative agenda and it got jacked up on on human growth hormone and steroids in the sense that he took it and he went and he took the fight to the swamp and the sewer and. And he went in as a disruptor, and he left as a disruptor. He went in as an iconoclast, mm -hmm. and he left as one. And yeah. and the American people knew what they were doing in 2016, and he ended up getting, what, 12 million more votes in 2020. That doesn't normally happen. So I think that people like the fact that he, he kept his promises. We've gone up and down that checklist how many times? And he's also proven that the agenda works. And the one major mass criticism is stylistically people, are, some people are turned off by it. I'm not. I'm not. And I think a lot of people were feigning being outraged about it. But, you know, two months from now, I'm telling you right, right now, the mob and the media, they're missing him. They want to hear from him. They want to be mad at him. It's like they're drug and they're going through withdrawals. Thank you, Cullen. Uh, let's say hi to Wendy is in Idaho. Hey, Wendy, how are you? Glad you called. Mass immigration into hi. Idaho, I noticed. You're getting a lot of new people moving into your state. Oh, boy, howdy, including us. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Where'd you go? Where'd you move from? California. 
Mm-hmm. How much money are you saving just by moving there? Uh, quite a bit, as well as peace of mind. I get it. No more. I no. You don't have to listen to traffic reports every two minutes on every station. Go ahead. Um, and we get waved at with all five fingers. <laughs> exactly. What's going on today? What's happening with in your world? Well, I am so happy to hear that you are strongly pushing what the how hypocritical the Democrats are in spewing such hatred. And but where my where my anger and frustration lies, Sean, is with McCarthy and McConnell. Why aren't they pushing back and and standing up for their representatives? I mean, you're talking about uh, Marjorie yeah. Taylor Greene. Well, the Republicans yeah, well, didn't. The Republicans. Wanna... She got the support of McCarthy. She gave a, a pretty passionate speech. Look on the on the on the house floor today explained who she is her background and and dis- disavowed some of the statements that these conspiracy theories whatever it's really you know i, I just find it pretty what, what frustrates me and what frustrates so many of you i think is the hypocrisy in it all because you got congresswoman omar congresswoman talib hey. You know, aoc you got the whole litany of democrats that have said you know maxine waters and and nothing ever happens, Sean, and and they're not yeah, as outraged Sean, as they pretend. But Sean, that that is exactly my frustration. They have all came out. The Gang of Five, Spartacus, all of them have had such deeply offensive state. But yet the Dems are pushing to have the Republicans censored or taking off committees. Why aren't we doing the same thing against them? Well, that's what I've been saying, and I'm I'm also saying there needs to be one standard, one standard for the definition mm-hmm. of insurrection and one standard for whether or not a congressman or woman, you know, meets the criteria to serve on a committee. And the reality is the people in Maxine Waters, AOCs, Talib, Omar's, they keep voting their Congress women in in this particular case. And I I would bet that the people of North Georgia will, based on the 74 percent of the vote she got, they're going to vote her back in. But in terms of leadership, listen, I, I want every, I want to reset. I want to focus on issues here anyway. This to me is is just what politicians do that has no impact on our lives. None whatsoever. But anyway, good call, Wendy. All the best up to you and your family in your new state. Let's go to uh Let's see here. Ron is in Kentucky. What's up, Ron? Glad you called. Hey, how you doing, Sean? I was good, uh, sir. I just, I was just concerned. I mean, I'm looking at these teachers and stuff, and we're UPS drivers, and we're in the union. I don't think people know the difference between a private union and a public union, but uh, we don't stand behind these public unions. I mean, we we are upset with our union reps. I mean, they vote Democrat and put our money towards the Democratic Party, and we're truck drivers. None of us are involved in any of that. We are conservatives. Yeah, listen, I I mean, this was driving me crazy. One of the first guys that I interviewed about losing his job for the Keystone XL pipeline, I said, well, where was your union on this? And the union heads, not the rank and file, but the union leadership supported Biden. I'm like, well, they supported the guy that, that... that basically, with a stroke of a pen, ended your career. 
ended it right there because it ain't coming back in the next four years. That career is gone. And and if my union leader, why am I paying dues to a union that's not supporting candidates that support our industry? That's pretty dumb. No, it is. Yeah. Me, All right, Ron. Union shine. That's, that's what Same really thing. upsets me, teachers unions. We've been out here. We've been out in this stuff the whole time, Sean, for the COVID. We have not missed a beat because we had to get medicine to people, food to people, everything else. We see these teachers out at restaurants and grocery stores, and then they're shutting our kids down. It's, it's insane. We've dealt with it. Why can't they? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me what they're trying to do here. Well, it should have been a top priority, you know, right underneath uh, first responders and those with, with the most serious health issues and, and underlying conditions. Teachers should be getting themselves the vaccine. Younger people, overall, there are exceptions, but the vast majority of them have minimal symptoms with COVID. You know, it's it's it just this this virus is the strangest thing I've ever seen. Uh, anyway, good call. Appreciate it. Uh, Jay in Maryland. What's up, Jay? How are you? Hi, Sean. Um, yeah, I'm going to preface. Um, actually, I want to make a statement. And then if, if you have time, if I could make a comment about your interview with uh, Dave, Dave Schoen, uh, the lead attorney for Trump. Uh, but first, I want to say I want to preface this by saying none of this, what I'm about to say, will make any sense or any difference if a the elections aren't corrected we all know that and b they need to be primary the rhinos need to be primary over the next two years for in 2022 so what i'm going to say is something occurred to me that i would have loved trump to have been elected last november but then i started thinking maybe it's a good thing that he wasn't in this sense he would not have the Senate. He would not have the House. He would be subjected to the same stuff he went through from 2018 on and probably the last four years in total. So now he can come back, and the way the country is situated right now with his, with his backers, that if he gets to 2024 – there's a really good chance he would have both the House and the Senate, in which case he can finally get his America First agenda through. It would have been virtually impossible if he had won the November 3rd election, which he should have. Look, elections have consequences. You're right on, you know, we partisan observers have got to be able to observe you got to have that. You, I mean, mail in and ballot. You got to have voter ID. You got to have signature verification. Uh, you got to have very stringent controls as it relates to any any type of mail in balloting. I don't think these elections need to go on in perpetuity the way some states are doing it either. Um, we know that we can do this right. Florida is a great case in point with problems in 2020 and 2016. But those were resolved by 2020. We can fix things. We can send people to the moon and bring them home. If that's what we choose to do, you know, whether it's a good thing, I, I see, I just see socialism for what it is. And I see it as extraordinarily damaging. And I, I see that these policies ultimately will fail. Um, Steve Moore earlier today was dead on accurate that Joe Biden was handed an opportunity here to really do a lot of good 
for the country with a good economy, and he was handed the vaccines. He's in a good spot. Now all his actions, unfortunately, are going to take away all the progress we've made in the last four years. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. Mitigating as much as we can by having men and women you know, battle in the arena of ideas and winning with conservative views is, is the antidote. Anyway, appreciate the call. That's going to wrap things up for today. Let not your heart be troubled. Hannity, 9 Eastern. We hope you'll set your DVR and we're loaded up tonight. Uh, is AOC, apparently some are saying, well, was she really in as much danger as she's claiming? Anyway, Congresswoman Nancy Mace, her office is two doors down from AOC. We'll give you a little view of the Capitol. There's a Freedom of Information Act request. Congressman Jim Jordan, Dan Bongino joins us. Senator Josh Hawley and Dana Lash, 9 Eastern, set your DVR. Hannity, Fox News, thanks for being with us. See you tonight, back here tomorrow.